0: That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Is the truth out there? For real? I'm Sean Ealing, and I'm your host for Vox Conversations. Is the truth out there? For real? Seriously, we have to talk about UFOs. The UFO community, that's a thing, right? Is having a moment. Last year, the Pentagon released three videos of UFOs recorded by the Navy. One taken in 2004, the other two in 2015. If you haven't seen these videos, you really should. They show various objects buzzing through the sky and moving in ways that defy explanation. There's a whole fleet of them look on the essay oh my gosh. I what now I want to be super clear when I say that these videos are extremely compelling, but they do not confirm the existence of aliens. They are simply strange and at this point inexplicable. Whatever's going on up there. The videos have garnered a ton of media coverage, which culminated last month with the release of the US military's official report on UFOs. The report didn't answer any of our big questions. The basic conclusion was that we don't really know what we're looking at. Oh my gosh, dude. Wow, look at that. <laughs> That's why I wanted to talk to Alexander Wint. He's a professor of international politics at Ohio State University, who also happens to be a very committed amateur ufologist. He's written academic articles about the political significance of UFOs. He's given a TED talk on the scientific taboos against studying UFOs. And he's basically the closest thing you'll find to a UFO expert in a world where ufology isn't, you know, a real science. We're going to talk about the taboos against studying UFOs some of the possible explanations for those videos, and why it's time to start thinking more seriously about the world-shattering implications of discovering alien life. Alex Lind, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Well, my friend, the UFO community is super hot right now, right? Aliens and spaceships are all over the news and they have been for the last year or so in particular and you've been i don't know if obsessed is the right word but you've you've been extremely in to ufos for a long time and so are you feeling pretty vindicated right now where are you at
2: um yeah i think vindicated although there's no real payoff to being vindicated but i do feel like 13 years ago i wrote something and it was kind of a long shot and everyone thought it was kind of crazy and between now and then nothing's happened and all of a sudden it looks like the argument has a lot of resonance so um so I'm happy but I'm looking forward now to what comes next and that's sort of what's more interesting to me I guess ultimately
1: oh we're going to get to that but I do want to start and I know you don't like this question we've talked before you don't you don't like when people just ask do you believe in aliens but I do want to kind of kick this thing off with everyone just putting their cards on the table here So, Alex, baby, lay it on me. Are aliens real? Do you believe?
2: So are we talking aliens or UFOs?
1: Oh, we're talking aliens.
2: Okay, so actual aliens who might be piloting UFOs and so on. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's anybody's guess. If I were wagering, um, given that UFOs now, their reality has been established, I think that makes it much more likely that aliens are here. So I would bet that, yes, that that aliens are present uh, around the Earth. But again, that's just a guess.
1: Let's just say if aliens are real, why would they visit Earth? I know you have some theories on that. Why would they come here?
2: Well, it's possible they live here. Hmm. It's possible they've been here for a very, very long time. um, As we have an increased number of underwater sightings now, which I was even aware of two or three years ago. And it turns out there's a lot of these um, and if the evidence for those holds up, that suggests if the aliens are here, some kind of submarine bases—that's where that they would actually live and not be detected. In which case, they could have been here for thousands of years. It could just be one of their transit places, or it could be a colony. Who knows? But uh, my own guess is they've been here quite a long time.
1: Why come here and just you know hang out low key for a thousand years or, or so? What's the point of coming and concealing? their existence for what imaginable purposes would they do that
2: well we can't necessarily conclude they're concealing their existence well i mean that
1: they obviously they haven't just like you know come right out and said hello
2: right that's true now that and there could be good reasons for that i mean why they're here it may have nothing at all to do with us it could be that we're just like the local fauna i guess on the planet and they don't really care about us or it might have to do with us in some way in the sense of we're uh, possibly Almost ready to take some next stage in evolution, or if you believe alien abduction accounts, um, maybe they need our DNA, one could imagine scenarios more or less scary for why they would be here that would have to do with us, but it might not have it to do with us at all, so it's very hard to say
1: are you thinking possibly you know a kind of men in black scenario where they're here and kind of wearing these? ridiculous human exoskeletons and just walking amongst us uh, you know uh,
2: um i i lean away from any kind of argument like that and no i don't believe that they're walking among us i don't believe there's been any unofficial contact with the government or any government Um, i think they're keeping their distance and trying to get our attention that's my reading of their behavior
1: why would they try to get our attention without just simply overtly getting our attention what's the point of playing these games
2: I think they've probably done this 100 times or 1000 times. And my guess is that their experience would tell them, and this is my own view of what would happen, that if they just showed up on the White House lawn, you would have chaos. um, Hmm. And it would be a disaster um, for human civilization. And so this kind of very slow, getting us used to the fact that they're here, to this kind of enculturation kind of process, I think, will make it much safer. It takes much longer to make contact that way, but it would make it much safer. I think it would be extremely dangerous, not for them, because they're probably invulnerable, but it would be extremely dangerous for us, I think, if they showed up just unannounced and all of a sudden 7 billion people were aware of their presence.
1: We did just say a second ago, you suspect, not know, right? Nobody knows, but you suspect some alien intelligence has been here for a very long time what makes you lean that way rather than into a place where I would
2: say I am right now, which is you know basically agnostic? Well, I don't think anything rides on it either way, how long they've been here. So it's just kind of an opinion. You know, Some people have speculated that they've arrived only recently when human beings had the kind of technology that radiated out into space and then the aliens could detect that and then they came by to check out what's going on. In which case maybe they've been here a century or two at the outside i think it's more likely that this is a class m planet to use star trek language and it's a nice place to live and it's safe and so one can easily imagine that this might be prime real estate in the, this part of the galaxy and again if we think of the planet really as belonging to them that's what kind of makes me nervous is about all this is that if they have been here for a long time then it's really their planet and not our planet we're just kind of guests on the surface spoiling everything Um, But it really belongs to them. And that kind of raises a lot of questions that, you know, are hard to think about, I think.
1: Just for the uninitiated, a class M planet, that just basically means a habitable planet?
2: Yeah, that was Star Trek's code for a habitable planet at the right distance from the local sun.
1: You may have already answered this at least implicitly, but I will ask because it's the question I hear a lot from people and I hear a lot in the kind of broader conversation around UFOs and aliens And that question is something like, where the hell is everybody, right? We live in this universe with hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of galaxies. And still up to this point, no one or nothing has reached back to us from the abyss and said, hello. Now, you just said a minute ago, maybe that may be because, you know, we're not ready for that. But do you have any other answer to that question? Because it it does seem like a strange thing that we would not have heard from anyone.
2: Well, this is the Fermi paradox, and you know a lot has been written on this, and it's interesting. I have a book on my shelf. It's like 50 solutions to the Fermi paradox, and not one of the 50 solutions is, oh, by the way, they're actually here. And so the whole UFO scenario was not even in play in that whole debate. Um, now, if we're talking UFOs, well, we have a lot of UFO evidence, if you take it seriously, that um, they are here or somebody's here flying around. And so in that sense, the question, where is everybody? The answer is, well, they're here. It's that simple. I think that's the most parsimonious explanation for, first of all, all the UFO sightings, but secondly, for the fact that, that we're not seeing them because they're obviously intentionally keeping their distance, which, I mean, if, if you think about it, on Star Trek, human beings came up with the idea of the prime directive, don't interfere with the locals. So if we came up with it in the 1960s, that was the one I had watched, then I would imagine aliens would probably come up with the same idea.
1: Now, why, in your opinion, would it be a simpler or more elegant explanation to say that as opposed to just saying, well, we haven't heard from anyone because there is no one. It's just us.
2: Well, that's a possibility, certainly. But then you still have to explain all the UFO evidence. So then we need a separate theory or a separate account that would make sense of all that. And that, that theory, presumably, would not include aliens. And it seems to me we're going to have a really, really hard time explaining the cases the, the Pentagon came up with, not to mention everything else, unless you can bring in aliens. And so if you rule that out and just say they're not here, well, OK, fine. But I then mean, what's your story or what's your explanation, I would say? And I'm not hearing any convincing explanations.
1: Are you persuaded at all by the what's called the, the great filter theory? And I'll just say very quickly for anyone in the audience who's unfamiliar with this basically the idea is that intelligent life if it is common and perhaps that's the most probable thing that it is common in in the universe but it almost always destroys itself or is destroyed by you know some kind of natural phenomenon like an asteroid impact or something like that and these things happen before that life evolved the capacity to communicate with any other civilization and that may be the reason why we haven't heard anything because no one makes it long enough to achieve that kind of technological capacity. What do you make of that?
2: Well, if you are thinking about human experience, it's very easy to see the plausibility of such a scenario. You know, human beings ever since the advent of nuclear weapons have worried about this, and now we have pandemics and so on to worry about as well, and climate change and everything else. So it's not crazy, but again, it presupposes that there's no other evidence that we need to take into account that might signal the presence of ETs. And with, you know, I don't know how many hundred thousand UFO reports you have over the decades. And now you have these Navy videos and the Pentagon saying they've got more cases that they can't explain. I mean, I think a theory of all this has to explain the actual evidence that we have. So in a sense, what you've given me are reasons why they shouldn't be here, but it looks like they kind of are here. So in a way, that kind of a theory to me doesn't do much work because it doesn't explain the evidence we actually see.
1: Okay, what kind of evidence are you? do you have in mind here? I just want to be clear.
2: Well, I would say that the video evidence from the Navy in particular, which is the best evidence we have, and now, of course, the Pentagon saying that they have another 140 or so cases with presumably comparable evidence um, in terms of video and so on, that we're not going to get to see presumably for quite some time. But, but it's there, not to mention whatever else has happened. And, of course, keep in mind that the Pentagon report is just the United States. We have no idea what the Russians have, the Chinese have the english or whatever it would be great if some other country came forward with their own evidence that i think would become a real big event but right now it's just the us of course
1: and we'll get to the pentagon videos cuz that's the most compelling evidence i have seen and and you've seen more of this than i have but it it feels like there should be way way more evidence of ufos than than we have right i mean especially now you know post 2007 or so with all the cameras and all the satellites buzzing around at all times, taking pictures and recording. Why aren't we, we should be overwhelmed. We should be drowning in in images and evidence. And yet it's actually quite sparse considering all of that.
2: Yeah, it's hard to know what the baseline should be in terms of expectations. I mean, it depends on how many vehicles they have if they are here if they've got you know two dozen well then they have to be all around the planet at different times if they've got 200 or 2000 so that makes a difference in terms of numbers but i'm not convinced that we should be seeing more than we are seeing especially if their strategy is kind of kind of a low key get us used to their presence kind of thing they're not going out of their way to be seen they're also not going out of their way not to be seen you know they don't seem to mind being seen but i'm not convinced that we should actually be seeing more than we are seeing. And in fact, I guess partly because I think the human capacity to not see something that's right in front of their eyes because you're not expecting to see it or you can't believe that it exists... I think that's a very strong tendency in in human cognition. And so we may actually be seeing way more stuff than we think we're seeing, but we just can't see it because of these kind of filters, these cognitive and and ideological, perhaps, blinders that we have on. And, of course, the technology often is not set to record objects moving at 5,000 miles an hour and that kind of thing. So there also may be a technological reason why some stuff is not being recorded. But presumably, if we start looking, least that's the premise of, of the nonprofit that I'm part of. The premise is if we start looking, we will find more events. So,
1: Let's take a quick break. But when we're back, it's clear that the military report is not a confirmation of extraterrestrial life. Well, I'm still interested, and I'm just going to assume you are too. I ask Alex about it after the break. Support for the gray area comes from Shopify. Imagine an action movie where the hero has to sell 1,000 Barbra Streisand t-shirts in 72 hours to save a major American city. Save the city from what, exactly? That's for audiences to decide. But how would they do it? They've used Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth whether you're the main character in a tentpole action movie or the real-life CEO of a multinational company. No matter what you're making, Shopify can help you sell it. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, Shopify offers the flexibility to support your operation. They also offer something called Shopify Magic, an AI-powered helper created to help you stress less and sell more. Try it for yourself. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash box. You can go to shopify.com slash box now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash box.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline
1: Let's talk about that military report that just came out, what, a month ago? Mm -hmm. And it was, at least for my part, a letdown. I mean, it basically said what we already knew, right? There's some stuff buzzing around in the sky. We don't really know what it is. Could be aliens, could be something entirely different. And there are a few explanations, which I'll throw at you in a second. But basically, the unidentified flying objects are still unidentified. That's really all it left us with. What was your mm-hmm. reaction to that report? Which I assume you've read by now.
2: Yeah, no, and I actually made a list for this for this uh, talk about what I think are the accomplishments of the report. I think the report is actually very well done. It's very professional. Uh, it's very sober. It's very realistic. It's careful. It doesn't go beyond the evidence whatsoever in making any kind of inferences or almost whatsoever. I could actually imagine the whole committee of my colleagues sitting around writing a report like that, sweating over every single word, It's my guess, how they put it together. So oh, yeah. I think it was very carefully written. I mean, there was so much hype and expectation going in to the report. And you already had a sense with the leaks of what was going to be in it. I think that in a sense... Just like the market will occasionally price in certain developments that are coming down the pike, and then when they actually happen, they're no big deal. I think, in a way, public opinion had already priced in what the report was going to say, which is why it feels like a letdown. But I do think actually the report, first of all, it established I think they conceded the reality of UFOs, which is a death blow if you ask me to all the skeptics who've been saying that UFOs don't exist. So UFOs, at least not ETs, but UFOs exist, and the military says so. So that's really, really important. Secondly, they called for more science. They had a pro research attitude toward this. So they want more science, which they didn't have to advocate, but they did. Now, whether funding for that will come about, that's another issue. But so I was impressed that they wanted to learn more. And the combination of establishing the reality of the UFO and wanting to learn more, I think, will go some way toward beginning to destigmatize these objects which may eventually lead to scientific research down the road. They avoided sensationalizing the topic. So there was no scaring of, if anything, it was the opposite of sensationalizing. It it was so low key, almost invisible. And there's been very little media coverage or much less media coverage since the report, I think, than before. Another thing the report did is, and I guess not just the report, but the, the bureaucracy, they've established a process now for scientific reporting through the military. Of course, we won't see that, but at least they've got a process. And importantly, the military admitted their ignorance. They don't know what these phenomena are. They didn't pretend that they knew. They did put forward several explanations, but they didn't draw any conclusions. So I think that's also a big deal because that ignorance is dangerous. If the public begins to think these things are alien and possibly dangerous or whatever, then the fact that we're ignorant could become a political problem. But I do think the report Actually, it was quite masterful in a way in managing public expectations, let's put it that way, which I think is one of the key political challenges of this whole issue.
1: Do you think it's possible that the military knows exactly what it is that, you know, perhaps it's some kind of, you know, top secret military operation that for, I think, pretty obvious reasons, they don't want to disclose. And so they're just sort of feigning skepticism or ignorance. Do you do you buy that at all?
2: I mean, I study international relations professionally, although I'm not a national security expert, so I don't, some of my colleagues are know all the technology aspects of the world's great power, militaries and stuff. And I'll bet every single national security scholar in my entire field would tell you there is no way that those objects on those videos are Chinese or Russian inventions or American ones. There's just no way. The technology that's manifested is so different. And the pilots' reactions, I think, also, are very telling. They're astonished when they're seeing this. So, if they're astonished and we're astonished watching this stuff, I think that the whole foreign powers potential national security threat—I think that's kind of a red herring. But of course, nobody knows. That's just my own personal opinion based on what my, I'm sure my colleagues would say.
1: Well, let me push a little there because you use the words "no way." Is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. How do we know that for sure, right? I mean, I I saw a piece not too long ago written by an expert in this area and made a fairly plausible case that what we're seeing might be drones, perhaps from from China or Russia. China seems much more likely than Russia. And I'm again, I'm as far from an expert on drones as one can be, but it does seem at least somewhat plausible. But that would also suggest that there are foreign powers with technological capacities far beyond our own. And that seems slightly less plausible. But can we really say there's no way Isn't it possible that that a country like China might have developed some kind of technology like that and we would not know about it? We can't rule it out, right?
2: I guess as a social scientist, you know, in social science, nothing is ever no way. So there's always, it's all probabilistic. But uh, my own feeling is that intuitively, it seems very implausible that somehow China or Russia would have stolen a march on the United States and gotten ahead of us on this. But more decisively, I think the Tic Tac video was shot in 2004 So whatever great power was behind that has had this technology for 17 years at least, but it hasn't shown up in their military more generally. Their military has not suddenly revealed this unbelievable technological advantage and threatened the United States or threatened any other countries. Their militaries and their air forces are equipped the same way ours are, same technology, just a little bit behind in terms of sophistication. So the 17-year gap, you have to explain that. And why hasn't this fancy technology shown up in other applications or in uh, aggression or a new grand strategy on the part of the Russians or Chinese or the Americans for that matter?
1: Well, Well, we'll definitely link to these, I guess, now famous Navy videos in the show notes. And I encourage anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't seen those, you should check them out as soon as we're done here and see for yourself. But what do you think you're seeing Um, in those videos captured by the Navy pilots. I mean, you mentioned the TikTok video, which I think is kind of leading the way here and garnered the most attention. But what is it you think you're seeing when you watch those clips?
2: Well, I mean, there aren't a lot of options. And since I don't believe it's the technology of a great power or a private corporation that's a human technology, um, I think the only plausible explanation is um, that it must be alien technology. And so we're seeing ETs go about their business. I and mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they seem pretty busy.
1: I got to push back again here. I mean, again, mm-hmm. the only plausible explanation, I mean, how about this, right? One other explanation is that what we're seeing is some kind of electronic warfare, right? You have, you have a foreign power that's perhaps tinkering with our radar systems and engineering some of these images um, to see how our weapon systems respond to see what they're capable of, to see what frequencies they use. I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert on this, but Mm -hmm. that's at least plausible, right?
2: Well, it's plausible that foreign powers would love to do that and to experiment and probe our defenses. And and we're seeing a lot of that now on on the cryptography and the computer security side. Um, I just, when I think about the descriptions not just what we see in those videos but the, des- the descriptions of objects you know falling 10,000 feet in a matter of seconds you know right turns at 5,000 miles an hour it just seems clear that these objects have anti-gravity technology and i just don't think that any human society is even close to anti-gravity technology so and again it's not just you know coming up with a plausible explanation for one or two cases we've got 140 some cases of the the Pentagon is officially acknowledged. Who knows how many other cases are buried somewhere or in other countries. And so we need explanations for all of these cases. And again, the most parsimonious unifying explanation is that these are all manifestations of the same phenomenon. But I guess I just don't think that human beings have the technology to defy gravity yet. Or if they did, it would have shown up by now and we if somebody would be making an awful lot of money for conquering a lot of countries with that kind of technology.
1: Well, one issue with all of these claims, really on all sides, not not necessarily what what you're claiming here, but really all of the claims, is we don't exactly know the distance to the the, the targets here in those in those clips, right? Mm-hmm. So you can think of like a plane, a big plane flying in the sky, which if you're far enough removed from it, it doesn't appear to be moving all that fast. It may be going you know five hundred or six hundred miles an hour, but the rate at which it appears to be moving depends on the distance, right? And the government, as far as I know, is not telling us whether they know that distance, and so. It's hard to have a reliable measurement of speed and acceleration um, unless we do know the distance, right? I mean, is that is that mm-hmm. something you've considered?
2: Well, I'm no expert in space flight, but um, my guess is the military um, has those parameters, and that's one reason why they're saying they have 140 cases they cannot explain. I would guess that they don't want to show more videos, partly because they don't want to show the kinds of technology they have to the Russians and the Chinese, I guess. And that's probably why the Russians and Chinese are doing the same. I
1: know there are lots of other people who think maybe what we're seeing in some of those clips are weather balloons or, you know, infrared glare or just, you know, weird eyewitness errors. Any of those claims give you pause? To be honest, I I don't really know what to make of it because I'm way out of my, my depth here. I don't know anything about about Radar and radar technologies and weather balloons. But at least I know people who do know more about these things have at least floated that as potential explanations.
2: I mean, I think it's very easy for all of us on the outside to look at these things and sort of armchair theorize, oh, it must be this or it must be that. I think what's striking to me is, first of all, the pilots who are professional, they spend hundreds or thousands of hours in the air flying these incredibly fancy machines And they're blown away by what they're seeing. So they had never seen it. The the people on the ground or on the ships operating the radar, they're blown away by it, too. And then the military is confirming they don't know what these things are. They really have no idea. You know, I guess I would always want to come back to the actual evidence we have rather than kind of theorize in the armchair and say, well, it's obviously this. But I think that many of the explanations that skeptics are putting forward are fundamentally anthropocentric. You know, it's always back to this anthropocentrism that we're in charge. We know everything. We're the masters of this planet. And there couldn't possibly be anybody around this planet other than us human beings. And, you know, my sort of paper many years ago was sort of raising questions about that anthropocentrism. And I think we're still seeing that now in the debate. But it's a natural debate to have. And these are all good questions to ask. They need to be asked and they need to be answered. And maybe the military can answer some of them. Maybe they cannot. It's hard to know.
1: Yeah, and and they're not very helpful here. I'm looking at a quote now from the report and it says, quote, the the sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions. As a result, those sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't uh, really clear anything up for us. But I will say, though, I'm with you on this, and this is something I've put to some of my, you know, super skeptical friends, and I am, I incline towards skepticism, but I'm I'm wide open on the possibilities here. But one thing I I continually ask them is just you know tell me what you think these highly trained pilots are seeing. Right? These are smart, credible people. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're hallucinating due to you know uh, hypoxia or something like that? Do they not know what a, a damn drone or weather? balloon looks like that's the it's the eyewitness accounts and the fact that there are multiple of them and the fact that they appear to converge that's what gives me a lot of pause and i haven't heard a persuasive explanation for that
2: that's interesting because i mean for some people i think the the visual or technological evidence of the video of the craft moving through space is more compelling and for other people it's the eyewitness kind of experience of the pilot's reactions And for me, it's both. But I think the pilots' reactions, in a way, seal the deal. You know, if the pilots reacted to strange things on radar and said, oh, that's just X, Y, or Z, then we would all dismiss it. But the pilots are right there. So they're up close to some of these things. And that's one reason they got so upset and and pushed their commanding officers to basically deal with the problem. So I think the eyewitness aspect is very compelling. And I've seen a few of the interviews with pilots since then. And and you know years later they're still saying the same thing and they clearly had an extraordinary experience the ones that I've the interviews I've seen so it's it's easy to dismiss eyewitness accounts and say well they must have been hallucinating or who knows but these these are professionals and it's it's one thing to dismiss somebody without a lot of training who's responsible for a very expensive aircraft but I mean, if, if they think those things are weather balloons, they should be fired. They shouldn't be flying F-22s and so on. I, I, it's just, they'd be incompetent.
1: Yeah, I guess it it may seem a little counterintuitive, but I'm more persuaded by the eyewitness accounts because I assume, and I could be wrong, but I assume it's, it's at least possible that some of these radar systems could be manipulated from the outside. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's the fact that you have multiple radar systems you know, reporting the same thing simultaneously, which would mean they would all have to be manipulated right at the same time and again not not an expert but that that seems strange but it at least seems possible whereas you know you have multiple credible people reporting that they set eyes on these phenomena whatever the hell they are and they have no reason they have no reason in fact they have every reason to not say anything about this at all and the fact that you know they're coming forward and saying these things again doesn't convince me that we're what we're seeing is aliens but it it gives me pause for sure
2: Yeah, that's a good point that they're coming forward one reason they may be coming forward apart from the release of these videos is that i think one thing that's changed since the videos have come out is that the burden of proof has flipped that in the past the burden of proof was always on the so-called ufo believers you know show me the evidence you know show me the smoking gun and of course there was no smoking gun there was no good physical evidence that one could show the skeptics now we've got some pretty cool videos that with eyewitness uh, accounts accompanying them. And I think that the skeptics are now a bit on the back foot, and the, the burden of proof is now on them. Okay, you can throw out your skeptical arguments all you want, but you tell me or you tell us what really is going on. And I haven't heard any compelling theories that explain 140 cases, much less thousands and thousands of cases, which of course we'll never be able to explain. But so I want to hear a positive argument. I mean, this now. Put up or shut up time, I think, for the skeptics, because it's easy to always dismiss other people's arguments and say, well, it must be something else. But now that it's time to come up with a positive argument, that's a much harder challenge if you're not going to go the ET route. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it's ETs. This is all speculation or guesstimation or something. But I think that the burden of proof is different now, and that makes it much harder for the skeptics. What
1: would a smoking gun UFO? alien case look like? I mean, obviously, I mean something short of a a spaceship docking on the White House lawn and you know, dropping off a battalion of little green men. But yeah, what, what, what would a smoking gun just in theory look like to you?
2: Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you know, I was hoping that the report would release more video and it's instructive. I think that they did not. Presumably, they've got more video and it's probably even better video than what we've seen. Otherwise, they would have released it. So I guess, you know, more dramatic turns, more evidence of extreme acceleration from a dead stop, just all the things that have been reported either on video or just by eyewitnesses and just with much more convincing data. And ideally, you would be able to eventually get data on patterns as opposed to just individual cases. But both kinds of things are important, clearly. You
1: suspect that any civilization capable of interstellar travel would would very likely be non-violent.
2: Yeah, that's my guess.
1: Okay. Why? Cuz I think a lot of people have a, a very different intuition <laughs> about that.
2: Well, I think if and this kind of goes back to a comment you made earlier that if a civilization survives, you know, to the point where it's capable of engaging interstellar travel, which is, you know, quite a ways from where we are at now, if it survives that long, my guess is it will have, must have found some way to deal with conflicts within the community. That could lead to war or self-destruction. So in a way, getting to the point of interstellar travel I think makes it much more likely that if you're going out then and starting to explore, you would do so peacefully. But again, it's hard to know. But again, we have no evidence of hostility from any of the, either the UFOs that are on those videos or in the entire history of the UFO phenomenon since 1947, if you count that as a start date. There's almost no evidence of hostile behavior. There is evidence of their interests in our missile bases and stuff like that, but they have never displayed hostility. And so if they were hostile, I think they would have made a move by now. They can take us any time and wipe us out if they really care. But I don't think they have any interest in us in that way.
1: And you're not persuaded by the the Stephen Hawking argument that uh, if there are alien life forms out there, they're almost certainly superior to us, and therefore we should just keep our our heads down and, and go about our business and not, uh, not poke the bear, as it were?
2: Well, I, I definitely agree that they're likely to be superior to us, both technologically and perhaps even biologically. So I, I certainly agree with that part of Hawking's argument. I don't think that such beings, well, there's no evidence that they're hostile and it's not obvious why they would be hostile. It'd be kind of like us being hostile toward, you know, ants or something like that. It's if There may be that much of a difference. It's hard to say. So, and I think actually it's, I think naive to think that they, if they are out there, they already know we're here. I think their technology and detection technology is way, way better than ours. If the stuff floating around, running around in our skies are ETs then they clearly do know we're here. And so Hawking's point is, in a way, Luke, that horse has already left the barn. Is that the phrase? Yeah.
1: There's been a, an unwillingness in the scientific community to really explore these things. I mean, seriously, explore these questions. Uh, what is your explanation for those taboos or those stigmas? Why all the fear? Why haven't we dumped more scientific resources into answering these questions, which you know the magnitude of which are immense?
2: Yeah, it is well it is dismaying and disappointing and I mean in the paper I wrote with Tuval back in 2008 we focused on why the military and the government weren't interested in studying these and we made an argument that actually to study them would be threatening to the sovereignty of the state. And so that may work for that, but that doesn't really deal very well with why scientists are not interested you know, to some extent, scientists and the state are deeply connected. And so maybe some of the argument carries over. But my own sense is that part of it is human hubris and human anthropocentrism and the assumption that, you know, we're in charge and we're the smartest and everything else that goes along with that. I think at a more micro level for individual scientists, if they were to apply for a grant to do research on a UAP, there would be no money, first of all. So there's no grants to get and they could easily damage or destroy their reputation. Physical scientists live off grants in a way that social scientists do not. Your reputation matters a lot to being able to get grants. If you people start thinking you're a wacko who believes in aliens, you may find it that you can't get grants and then your career may go down the tubes. So I think there's pressures on physical scientists to stay away from this issue and to remain very cautious that are greater than the pressure on a social scientist like me But it is disappointing and I wish there were more scientists. I've been struck by the fact that in all the run up to the report and then since the scientific community, I haven't heard boo from them. You've got the military stepping out now in front. Who would have guessed the U.S. military would be out in front on the UFO issue telling everybody, hey, these things are real and we do not know what they are. Who would have thought? And the scientists are completely silent. Where's the reaction? Why aren't the scientists clamoring? Let, give us the money to study these things. It's the most important event in human history, potentially. So it, it's very hard to understand the mentality, but it may just take a while for the videos and the, and the military's posture to sink in, and maybe we will see gradual change over time.
1: Well, you just said it would be the most important event in human history. I, I, I think that's right. What would contact, or what would a revelation of, the existence of, of aliens due to human society? Not, you know, America, but to human society.
2: Well, I think there's two questions there. First, there's the question of what the nature of the contact be? Um, and this is something I've been thinking about. And actually, I read a really nice article recently by, um, I believe his last name is Circovich. Um, and he makes the case that contact is not going to be an event. His view is that contact is not going to be an event. It's more going to be a process that may take several decades to unfold, where scientists and perhaps the military and so on gradually accumulate more evidence of ETs, either far away or nearby. And then eventually, there's some kind of critical mass and then people of the scientific community, whatever, begins to accept that this is real and everything else. So if it's that kind of a slow process, then at some point, it'll just be a tipping point, really. And all of a sudden, it'll become obvious, oh, it's obvious, these things are alien. Okay, but we haven't reached that point by any means yet. So in the meantime, there's a challenge first getting the scientists involved to start studying this stuff. But there is also the issue of managing public expectations if we're going to do any research or do studies, because you don't want the public freaking out. Um, I think it's very interesting that the military, in their report, they kept everything secret. They didn't even justify keeping everything secret. It was just sort of taken for granted that they should hang on to all these other cases for safekeeping, to protect us from ourselves, perhaps. I'm not sure. But I think that was interesting. They never talked about the secrecy aspect, which is clearly very important to them.
1: Okay, we're going to take one more short break, but when we come back, if we learn that aliens really did exist, what exactly would change for us here on Earth? That's coming up after the break,
2: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We a got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: I think a lot about this Nietzsche quote. He wrote, since Copernicus, man has been rolling away from the center toward X. And of course, he's just talking about the the discovery that Earth is not the center of the cosmos, and that just completely changed our whole conception as a species of of our our importance and our, our role and place in the universe. And the discovery that there are aliens or superior life forms all over the place would be even more world shattering. It's it's almost unfathomable, really.
2: Yeah, it would be, I think, potentially devastating. I mean, my worry is that, I mean, most people who are interested in UFOs are really eager for contact, and, and I think I was too for a long time, maybe until quite recently, and and it's it's seen as a hopeful thing, and it's a good thing, and, and I still believe a lot of that, but I'm much more worried now than I used to be about either the effect leading up to contact or the effect of actual contact how that would affect human civilization and the ability of the state to maintain control. Um, I think a lot of people would flip out. It would only have to be 5% of the population who flips out, which could cause tremendous chaos. And we've got a lot of people who will head to the hills with guns, and you'll have people start worrying about their neighbors being reptilians in human skin and and all kinds of nonsense on the internet and stuff and conspiracies. And so I think there's tremendous potential for chaos once people start to really come to grips with this Um, Now, clearly they haven't started to worry about that yet but i think that down the road that would be an issue that needs to be dealt with and i don't know how one would do that
1: so you're not buying the kind of go-to movie version of this you know a la independence day which you know says the arrival of aliens would produce some kind of global rally around the flag effect you think it would be much much darker
2: that yeah that's interesting comparison i think that you're right if they're if they're in a way it's simpler if the aliens are hostile because then everybody will be on we'll all get together and humans will pool their resources and you know fight to the last person if that's what it takes or whatever i think actually though since they're not hostile my worry is that them being benign or in the sense loving us so to speak is actually a greater danger because then people may switch their loyalty from their government to worshipping these aliens. And if people stop listening to the government because they realize the government cannot protect them from beings that have technology of this kind, the government potentially loses its authority, loses control, uh, stock market collapses. I mean, just a lot of bad stuff could start, you could get snowballing effects that were very negative in consequence, basically from a panic kind of scenario, or even not panic is too strong,
1: I think, but <laughs> I don't know if you said this to me before or you wrote this in, in your paper that the modern state is very vulnerable to the UFO question, that the discovery of of aliens would kind of destroy the legitimacy of the modern state. And, you know, that, that's very abstract language. So I'd, I just, you know, for, for listeners, I just want to maybe be a little more concrete here. What is it you think the discovery of aliens would, would actually mean for the state? Do you think governments would, would collapse that that as you've pointed out in some of your academic work i mean the idea of a, a state is is just an idea right and then that if for some reason tomorrow everyone woke up and decided america is not a thing <laughs> it wouldn't be a thing you, you still have these institutions that instantiate it but if if people stop believing in in something like a state or in the same way if they stop believing in money um or lost confidence in money mm-hmm. it, would, it would be kind of meaningless so, so what, what would happen to the very idea of of a state if we did discover aliens
2: well that's that's a really good question i think um actually just in terms of states imploding quickly you think about the collapse of the soviet union was very much like you described just one day the soviet citizens woke up and after this was after an attempted coup and they woke up and said you know we're done and they all walked away and no one fired a shot and the the state was gone it was literally just kind of vanished in a sense so that can happen even peacefully if you think about the, the modern state since the 17th or 18th century, at least in the West, the the so, so-called social contract that we've had between us and the state is, okay, we'll give the state our allegiance as citizens and we'll obey the laws and all that kind of stuff. And the state, in turn, will protect us from natural disasters and foreign enemies and civil war and everything else. So the state will protect us physically from each other and from other people. A state that is unable to protect its own citizens, a so-called failed state, quickly loses legitimacy and is unable to get anything done. And then people take the law into their own hands and start forming militias and you get civil war and everything else. So I think the state's legitimacy depends on people believing its promise that it can protect us. And it will become very clear if we start getting more research on UFOs and and we have more information about their characteristics I think it'll be very clear that the state, no state can protect its citizens from these beings and this kind of technology. So the state will be essentially helpless. And so then people will say, well, I'm still going to stick with my state because it's my state. and I'm a citizen of it. But some people may break ranks and say, you know, I'm going with the winners here. This whole state human anthropocentrism thing, that's a failed experiment. I'm throwing my lot in with the aliens. Now, the aliens may not allow that, I don't know. And and I guess one thing we haven't talked about here is that there's a huge power asymmetry in this whole relationship with the ETs, if if they are here, and any contact scenario also, it's totally up to them. We have no ability to initiate contact. Uh, We can barely control ourselves if there is contact. Um, so I think that the power asymmetry is is very profound. Um, I think that's one reason why the report actually says there's a potential national security threat, even if it's not from Russia or China, because the power asymmetry is so great.
1: If we're totally helpless in that way, why is it worth worrying about? If there's nothing we can do one way or the other, right, if we're not going to be calling the shots, then then why is it worth paying such attention to and worrying about so much?
2: Well, I think it comes down to one's personal beliefs about this phenomenon. And of course, those are very subjective. But my own feeling is that these creatures, if they're here, are benign and they want to help. And I think that explains why, you know, I, I saw an interview with some of the pilots or one of the pilots from the East Coast videos a couple of years ago. And, and he'd made the point that these craft were interacting with them, the pilots, every single day for like two years. So there was an ongoing interaction with the pilots, and I think that what they were doing with these, they are basically kind of teach the pilots that that these creatures are here, so to speak, and and get them used to the idea. If
1: you're right that the state would be extremely vulnerable, wouldn't that be a damn good reason for governments to conceal this information? If they, if they did no more, wouldn't that be a, a really strong motivation for them to pretend that they don't or to, to keep this under wraps for as long as possible?
2: Yes, although government here, I would say military. I mean, if if there is a deep state, it's the part of the state that has all the videos, the UFO videos. And presumably, that's a very, very small group of people in the state. And it may not include any elected officials, as far as we know. Now, the Defense Intelligence Committee was briefed, uh, and they saw some of the classified stuff. We don't know how much they saw compared to what the deep state might have. But yes, absolutely. I do think that it's actually a good thing. I mean, I'm coming around. It's funny. In the past, I was very anti-secrecy because secrecy was the whole problem with the UFO taboo. But now that we're on a different path toward acknowledging the reality of this phenomenon, secrecy in some ways is good because it will help manage public opinion. It keeps things under control um, and one can kind of release information, you know, you know, well, it's hard to justify secrecy at the same time. So I am actually have very mixed feelings about this. And one of the big questions I think the UFO phenomenon raises is how much secrecy is justified? How long should there be such secrecy? How deep should it be? Who should be the ones holding the secrets? Is it the military, the CIA? Is it elected officials? So there are a lot of questions that haven't been dealt with that I think are coming down the pike as we wrestle with this in that respect.
1: I find it very hard to believe that that any government, particularly ours, could keep something like this under wraps indefinitely. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you believe any of the Roswell or Area 51 shit, but uh, no. if they did, if they were sitting on 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 more concrete, you know, smoking gun type evidence. It, it seems like that would that would leak at some point. You no. Know?
2: Well, I mean, I think that they're they're definitely sitting on another 140 cases. And the fact that they told us nothing about those suggests that those cases might be even more dramatic than the ones we've seen. At least some of them are. On the other hand, that may not be a smoking gun. And the military is clearly just beginning to seriously investigate this phenomenon. Um, They only have procedures in place now for what the past two years or something like that. So You know, it's going to take them a while to get up to speed, so to speak. And this actually raises another question, which is, if we're going to study UFOs, who should do it? Should it be the military? Should it be big science? Or should it be citizen science or public science? Um, And I think, in a way, we need all three. We're not likely to get big science anytime soon. And the military is going to do their research in secret. So it's kind of public science right now or bust.
1: Well, going back to the political implications here. If what you say is true about the threat this would pose to the whole idea of the state, and I think you're right on that front, do we have any idea at all whether or not governments and militaries are actually prepared for this kind of thing? I mean, surely they're thinking about it, but do you think they're prepared for that? I mean, if this were to happen tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, is there any chance that the governments would actually be prepared to deal with that, or would it just be absolute chaos in any event, no matter what.
2: I think, again, it depends on the nature of the contact. If it's a dramatic event out of nowhere kind of contact, then I would say governments have no preparation at all for that. It'd almost be like God materializing, right? I mean, people believe in God, but if God actually materialized, I think you would get a lot of people flipping out. And I think that's what a dramatic release of information about UFOs would do, too. If it's much more of a slow drip kind of revelation, then I think it's uh, much more manageable and you can begin to educate people along the way. And then you kind of people will price it all in the way we priced in this first report uh, over the past few months with all the media coverage and so on but i do think and this goes back to your earlier question about well should we go ahead and contact them or try to as opposed to just hide um i do think that in the end as i said earlier that if these creatures are here that they're benign and they want to help and the technological payoff potentially and the biological and genetic payoff i mean there might be unbelievable benefits for humanity if we can kind of get ourselves prepared enough to not make it impossible for others to deal with us. And so we have to kind of get our own house in order in a sense, I think, and get ourselves ready before anybody's going to want to talk to us on the outside. Uh, but I think that's the political challenge really is preparing the population for this so that it will be safe for us and outsiders to have an interaction, because I think it would be to our benefit in the end. Imagine the knowledge that these beings have. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling, and presumably it will raise human beings to a whole new level ourselves.
1: Well, before we go, I, I do want you to expand a little bit on that because you had mentioned last time we spoke that you were thinking very hard about what we should be doing to prepare for the possibility that ETs are real and that they're gradually acclimating us to their presence. Well, you've had some time to think that through. What should we be doing? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm still working on it. It's a a work in progress. I think part of it, though, I think, is this idea of a public science, which kind of serves two functions. On the one hand, it will actually do some science, which the military and big science are not going to do in the public domain anytime soon. Um, But a public science also, if you involve the public, I think that that, in a sense, is itself a kind of preparation, cognitively and kind of morally and, and emotionally, um, for people. and so, in that sense, the more people that are involved in a public science of UFOs, the more that you're preparing the population sort of indirectly, just by getting them used to the whole idea and becomes exciting and people something to look forward to as opposed to something that's very scary.
1: If an alien intelligence did reach out to us, and you know, like the Amy Adams character in arrival, you were chosen to engage with them, what would you ask? And I'll just, I'll just say since I'm a professional question asker, I I guess I'd want to know among a lot of other things, how many other civilizations are out there and and why did they die? And are we truly chained by the laws of physics as we understand them? And I don't know. I have a lot more questions, but I I know you must have thought this through. If you did have a chance to ask, uh, what would you want to know?
2: Actually, I've never thought about that. That's a great question. I've never thought about anything that was kind of beyond the the immediate problem of dealing with these beings. I mean, my first question would be, is what do we do next? <laughs> you know, tell us what to do, because yeah. I'm assuming they're going to be in charge of the whole interaction and they'll be in charge of giving us whatever we're going to get and everything else. So it's really a matter of surrender, I think, surrendering to, to basically to their power and their agenda, because I think fighting their agenda is, is going to be pointless. I I think we just have to really trust them completely because resistance truly is futile and will only cause trouble for us. And in a way, part of the state's problem in managing this thing is to make sure that some of its citizens don't decide we're going to resist these aliens to our dying day, right? And they go up in the mountains and get ready to fight. That would be a disaster.
1: Well, this has been a lot of fun and I remain... And agnostic on this question of of aliens but i think it's very interesting and i think it's no longer tenable to just kind of turn a blind eye there's something going on up in the skies and we don't quite understand it and i wouldn't say it's aliens i would say that's a possibility but but probably a remote one but it is a possibility and so long as it's a possibility i think more people should be much more interested in in getting to the bottom of it and I appreciate the fact that you're out there, um, you know, doing the work and asking the questions.
2: Well, if I could just say, though, that I would count myself an agnostic, too, in the sense that I don't know. No one knows. It's all a matter of belief. I mean, I have a probabilistic assessment of what I think is going on. But in a way, that doesn't really matter very much. The book I'm trying to hopefully write this fall on this will try to thread a way where it doesn't really matter what you believe. What matters is we just need more science. We need to do some science on these things. Somebody's got to do the science as soon as possible. That'll give us a lot more information. um, And then we can start making policy decisions and stuff like that. But until we have science, we're just completely in the dark. And the the Pentagon report is important because it opens the door to that kind of a science. But it's not yet doing it. And so that's the next step, I think.
1: Well, maybe a year from now when the book comes out or whenever it comes out, you can come back on and tell us what the hell – to do when the little green men do show up.
2: <laughs> yes, well, by then it may be too late. But uh, it might be. I probably won't be alive at that point. <laughs> and that'll be a while, I think. So.
1: Well again, uh, this is a blast. Uh, it's always fun to talk to you and uh, I really appreciate you being here. So, thanks.
2: Well, thank you, Sean.
1: Vox Conversations is produced by Eric Janikis. Our editor is Amy Drastaska. Our theme music was dreamed up by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And Liz Kelly-Nelson is the VP of Audio at Vox. If you like the show, let us know. Room for improvement. We want to hear that too. We're curious to know what you think, what you want more of, what we could improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, send us your thoughts at voxconversations at vox.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate and review. And join us on Thursday for a brand new episode.